The camera pans. A boy sits alone in his room. Standing between him and the world is only a microphone. Act 1, Scene 4, Before It Rains. Welcome to Episode 4 of Lost in Gown, the Fletcher Hummingbird story. It's been an interesting week for me, for sure. This week I completed a puzzle with my family, which if that sounds weird, it's because it is. Um, I have never completed a puzzle, I think, on my own. Um, uh, nor has anyone in my house ever completed a puzzle, at least not that I've ever seen, and I've never seen a puzzle inside of my house until the other day. So now my family is putting together puzzles. That's a new thing we've started, which is really weird to me, but also just a reality of the extreme boredom that everyone is probably feeling right now. And it also awoke a really terrifying part of my personality, which is something I never wanted to confront, which that part is that I may actually really enjoy putting together puzzles, which I don't want to be that person. And if somebody could give me a really good reason to not complete puzzles or not look at a puzzle and just feel a deep desire to start filling in pieces, even though I really don't care about puzzles, at least I try and convince myself I don't care. There's just something about looking at an incomplete puzzle that makes me really want to complete it, which I guess is probably something that everybody experiences, but I'm a little worried that I may become a person who is deeply interested in puzzles, and I'm not sure that's what I want myself to be. So that's uh, what's going on in my life right now, at least a little bit. Uh, it's a weird time, and that is most apparent to me now through the fact that I and my family have started putting together puzzles. So in other unusual things that I'm doing today, I wrote a poem, which is something I have never done before and something I never really thought I would do and something I'm not typically really interested in doing. But I had a moment the other day where I had this thought and then slowly it just turned into this, which is a poem I wrote. And it's not as rhymy as what you may expect of a poem, but it's not really an essay either. So it's something I wrote and something that I wanted to share because I think it's interesting and there's some images in here that are pretty funny, at least to me. So hopefully there's something in this poem that you can connect with or a conclusion that you can draw out of it. It's titled, Before It Rains. The camera pulls away from the boy and cuts to what appears to be a normal day. You know that brief period of time right before it starts raining? The clouds roll in, the smell of rain is already there except the drops aren't close by to a company. 
an otherwise bright and sunny day is suddenly interrupted, and now is sitting in a transitionary period before any semblance of the sun that once forced your windows down is all but gone. People that were driving to their next destination, letting the wind blow through their cars, letting them have an excuse for the McDonald's receipts that were once stuffed inside of their door to fly away guilt-free. Those people now are fiddling with the dials and switches on their dash, hoping to fabricate a breeze that reminded them of the glimpse of freedom their lowered windows once afforded them. Some of them, though, are too stubborn to adjust to the rain before it's here, and instead patiently wait for the first stray drops to hit their windshield before deciding to live in a world where the reality of precipitation is upon them. Some of them are thinking about beating the rain to wherever their destination is, but also considering the appropriate speed to shuffle inside with if it does come, less concerned with the physical exertion of running, but more so of the image of them in full sprints and how weird they look when they run, but also thinking about avoiding the conversation with those that are sheltered about how wet they are, finding their place on the spectrum of speed and wetness, but also trying to remember that one episode of Mythbusters where they wanted to see if running or walking in the rain made you more wet, but not being able to remember the conclusion they came to, so once again settling on just whatever feels right in the moment. Other people with less places to go are even more confused, deciding whether or not to go inside, whether or not to find something else to do or to wait and see those first drops to once again remind them of how much they hate their clothes getting wet. But for now, there is no rain. Everyone in the moment shares a world where their varying pitter-pattering of H2O isn't occupying their lives. Instead, a moment of peace, where the rain is held safely above them, blocking the sun that once beamed uninterrupted into their lives. Then the rain began. So when I wrote this poem, I was really focused on just trying to capture that feeling before it rains. And unsurprisingly, the poem arose from when I was driving in my car and I had my windows down and it was about to rain. And I thought of just how strange this moment was, this brief 10 to 15 minute window where the rain essentially was there, except we couldn't feel it and it wasn't falling around us yet. And so I especially didn't want to attach any exterior meaning or message to it while I was writing. And that was very much on purpose and not because I couldn't find one. And I did my best to stick to this line of thinking, although I couldn't help myself from having fleeting thoughts about what this could apply to. But I don't really want to share any of those because I think it's better if you come up with them on your own. And I think it's better for art generally to be that way. I kind of talked about this in the last episode with the King Kong story, how the directors of that movie didn't attach any of the meaning that some other people did. And this largely derives from a story that I heard a long time ago in a YouTube video that I can't even remember, otherwise I would direct you to it. But it talks about Stanley Kubrick when he was filming 2001 A Space Odyssey. So the story is about the filming specifically of the last scene of the movie, which if I'm gonna be honest, is the only scene that I've actually watched of the movie. And Kubrick, when he was filming it, 
was adamant that no one ask him or no one bring up the idea that what he was filming could have a broader message to it. And instead, he was focused on the story he wanted to tell and the shots he wanted to create to tell it. And that was the only thing that was important to him. And he felt the best way for this art to be translated to other people was to not constrict it to whatever he thought it should be, and that the art would be better if other people created their own interpretation of it. And this would allow for his art to age the best. And now looking at the legacy that Kubrick left behind in his death, it's clear that this idea of how art should be created and consumed is something that struck a chord with other people, even if they haven't heard this story. Being able to have something that is fluid is what made his art so great, was that there wasn't one way to look at it, but instead a million ways to look at it, and none of them were wrong. But it seems this view of the creative process is something that's waning in popularity, as recently on YouTube, a whole new genre has emerged, films being explained, and this is especially prominent in movies like Parasites, the recent winner for Best Picture, where you can find hundreds of videos on YouTube looking to give people the right answer for what the movie means, when in reality there is no right answer. Framing art this way, though, I think is really dangerous, because as soon as people start to get the idea that their view of something can be wrong, it diminishes whatever the correct meaning is, and destroys the open-ended nature of what, at least I think, art should be. And this is kind of tied to what I was talking about last week, how context shapes the way that we look at music. And it's important that we leave some things to be interpreted in a unique way. In an episode of Notes on a Scene, the director of the TV show on FX, Atlanta, the director Hiro Mirai was breaking down a scene on an episode of the show called Teddy Perkins, which if you haven't watched this show, I would highly recommend it. I've been obsessed with it lately. But he speaks kind of on what I'm talking about here and says at the end of the video, a quote that explains, I think, a lot of what I'm trying to say. He says, I think empathy is the key to storytelling. This quote does a good job of trying to explain this idea that I'm talking about here, that storytelling and stories are best when we can look at our own story and see how it relates to the one that we're seeing. And all of our stories are different. And that's what I think is beautiful, not only with art, but with life in general, that everyone is so different from one another, but yet we can still find ways to connect despite all of our differences. So this part of the podcast will be dedicated to the return of Arts and Mary's jalapeno chips, which, if you don't know what Arts and Mary's are, it's a regional brand of chips that was mainly just sold in Kansas that for the past two and a half years have been off the shelves, and it's been hard. So remember, this is a podcast that is a journal of things that are important to me, and I can think a few things that are more important. I can think of actually a lot of things that are more important to me than Arts and Mary's chips. I have lived without them for two and a half years, but they are really important, 
and they are the best kettle chip, specifically jalapeno kettle chip that has ever been made. And my family is insane about Arts and Mary's jalapeno chips. And since the news that the return was coming last Thursday came out, my family group chat has been dominated by talks about getting our hands on Arts and Mary's chips. And now, as of last Monday, Arts and Mary's are back in stores and the jalapeno chips have been kind of hard to find because other people who are hip to how great Arts and Mary's chips have also taken notice. And I definitely did have to wait by a Dylan's employee for a little bit to wait for them to unload a bag of jalapeno Arts and Mary's chips to give it to me straight from the box. And although I'm beginning to realize that there is at least a small portion, it seems, in every single episode of this podcast in which I talk about food, I still could not help myself from bringing this up because this is such a monumental moment in my life that it would not be right if I didn't mention it on the podcast and then one day in however many years when I'm going back and listening to this, I can remember the day that that they came back and how special it was, and what a strange bonding moment it has been for my family to just collectively get so excited for the return of a chip. So now to the of the day section of the podcast, starting with the tweet of the day, which I'm kind of cheating this week on the tweet of the day because it's not actually a tweet, but instead a picture of a book that was posted on Twitter or an excerpt from a book that was posted on Twitter. So the tweet comes from Twitter user at Abdulmir19 and the expert, the excerpt reads, you can't skip chapters. That's not how life works. You have to read every line, meet every character. You won't enjoy all of it. Hell, some chapters will make you cry for weeks. You will read things you don't want to read. You will have moments when you don't want the pages to end, but you have to keep going. Stories keep the world revolving. Live yours. Don't miss out. And so a big theme that I'm trying to have on the podcast is that of a story. And that's why the title is The Fletcher Hummingbird Story. You learn pretty early on in school that the basis of a story is how characters deal with conflicts. It's why horror movies don't stop after the first 20 minutes where the family is living their happy life before somebody comes to try and viciously murder them, because there wouldn't be a story if there wasn't conflict. And obviously the same is true for life. Everybody has conflicts that they must overcome or find a way to deal with. And now with the coronavirus being the newest conflict in my and seemingly everyone else's life, We all have to see how this falls into our story and ask ourselves the question, are we going to let this add to the story or take away? Is there something important and meaningful that can be found in this or are we going to let it pass on by? So that's the tweet of the day. I knew the second that I read that, that that was going to be the tweet of the day for the week and because it fit just so well into a lot of the things that I've been thinking lately, and it's something that I want to apply to my life, or at least think about a little bit, and maybe you can do the same. So now moving on to the song of the day, which for today will be APIDTA by J Electronica featuring Jay-Z off of his album that came out this year called A Written Testimony. 
the song is about loss and how Jay-Z and Jay Electronica are dealing with it. And on the Genius Annotation, it talks about how Jay Electronica said that the song was recorded on January 26, 2020, which, if you don't know, was the same day that Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna passed away in a helicopter accident. And in the same way that the death of Kobe and everyone else on that helicopter hurt, this song does the same, at least to me. The way they talk about the relationships they had to their family before losing them is sometimes brutally difficult to listen to, but at the same time, really beautiful and moving. And the way that they interact with death is really relevant and nuanced and done in a way that I haven't really seen in any other song. Jay-Z begins the song with a punch, saying, I got numbers in my phone that'll never ring again, cause Allah done called them home, so until we sing again. I got texts in my phone that'll never ping again. I screenshot them, so I got them. I don't want this thing to... And just like that, he doesn't want it to end so much that he can't even finish the line. And if you listen to his song, it's performed just like that. Right after he says two, he can't even bring himself to say end. And the way that just the delivery of that line was able to show Jay-Z's emotions was really brilliantly done. But the highlight of the song is most definitely Jay Electronica's verse, which, although short compared to some of his others, is extraordinarily well done and is a prime example of how poetic rap music can be and a great thing to show somebody who believes that rap oftentimes lacks substance. The verse begins, Eyes fiery, cry tears to my diary. Sometimes a zanny bar can help you fight back the anxiety. I go to my lord quietly. Teardrops on our faces. Teardrops on my face. It's like teardrops become waterfalls by the time they reach my laces. And just how quickly within these first four lines, Jay Electronica is able to talk about the effect of loss that it has on him, talking about how he resorted to drug abuse to sometimes fight back the feelings of grief that he had, how he goes to his religion to find comfort at the same time, but still, despite all this, can't help teardrops from falling like waterfalls as he thinks about the losses in his life. And more particularly, he continues in this verse to talk about the relationship that he had with his mom before she passed away. And some of the lines towards this song are just, oh, it's hard for me to even read at times. He says, the day my mama died, I scrolled her texts all day long. The physical returns, but the connection still stays strong. And although I still have my mom around, thinking about people that I've lost, it's, I can understand entirely what Jay Electronica is trying to say here. And the conclusion that he reaches at the end of the song is really moving, saying, the flesh we roam this earth in is a blessing, not a promise. I bow with those who bow to the creator and pay homage. Realizing that death, although hard, is a part of life, and that the life that we had 
or that he talks about his mother having was a blessing and not a promise. And the time he was able to enjoy it was worth it within itself. And although the verse that J. Electronica has ends on this uplifting note, he doesn't want to downplay the emotional and even physical effects that grief has on him, and continues in the bridge to say, Lately, I haven't been sleeping well. The lump inside my throat sometimes just towers like the E fell. Sometimes I wonder, do the trees get sad when they see leaves fell? And this is such a nuanced way to talk about loss, showing that even though we can accept death and its cyclical nature, that still doesn't make it any easier to get to sleep at night. So if you haven't heard this song yet, I would highly recommend it. It's refreshing to hear two artists allow themselves to be so vulnerable on a record, and I'm happy they did because it helped me a lot and hopefully it can help you too. The camera remains focused on the boy sitting alone in his room as it slowly fades to black. So there it is, episode four of Lost in Gown, the Fletcher Hummingbird story. To be honest, I had no idea what this episode was going to be for most of the week, but I think it turned out pretty well. Uh, next week, I think I'm going to be talking about some of my stories while working at Goodwill, so be looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, that's all I have. Thanks for listening.